Greetings. Welcome back to HMD Live. Isn't it wonderful that spring has arrived and, and uh, it's just a few days now till uh, Pentecost Sunday and uh, so many positive things are taking place. Uh, the Home Issues Administrative Committee uh, recently met and made allocations. What a great year it has been for Christmas for Christ. We celebrate the goodness of God, believe that God is, is sending multiple missionaries even this week. Uh, getting them ready to go. It's a time of great miracles. Um, I've taught a couple of leadership lessons as we've started this year, and, and we're going to kind of continue in that framework uh, on the last Tuesday of each month. And so I'm back today, and I started talking uh, about becoming a person of influence or, or how people of influence become that. Um, and if you'll recall, let me just do a little reviewing here. I talked about the fact that, that influential people always have a passion and uh, it, it burns within them. Uh, the second thing that, that we talked about is that influential people give themselves to preparation. Um, I used uh, a statement, Daryl Johns, you can never be bigger than your, your resources. So passion, preparation, essentials, you've got to have. I want to talk about uh, two other items. Uh, we could call them, since they start with a, a P, we could call them peas in the pot. Um, for, for people who are going to be people of influence, that's what you need to be. As a pastor, uh, you need to be a person of influence. In the local church, there need to be leaders. The local churches represented in Scripture had local leaders. They had deacons. They had people who were decision makers. They had people who were influential. As a pastor, uh, raising up leaders is going to multiply yourself. If you don't do this, you're going to cap out your effectiveness about 100 to 120 people. So even if you're a home missionary, when you see a young person, a child, or you have uh, a new convert come in who has the potential to become an influencer, um, very quickly latch on to them, begin to pour yourself into them. Okay, so let me, let me give you the third of these things. First was passion. The second was preparation. The third is priorities. People of influence understand priorities. In one of Stephen Covey's books, he talks about teaching a college class. And in the college class, he has a large glass jar that is sitting there in front of the class. And as the class is watching, he brings in some large rocks, some boulders, and he begins to, to drop them into this jar as the class is watching. And, and eventually, the, the jar can hold no more of these rocks. And so Covey, in his parable, turns to the class and he asks them, can we put anything more in the jar? And they respond, no, all they've seen is the big rocks. He turns and he finds uh, some smaller gravel and taking bin of gravel in hand, he pours gravel into the jar and suddenly there's room for these little bits of gravel. And he asks the question again of the class, is, is there room for any more? And, and uh, by then they're starting to catch on and, and uh, to complete the illustration he reaches over and gets a pan of sand and and he pours sand in and shakes it and lets the sand sift down. And suddenly, it's, it's, um, it'll hold no more sand. 
and he asked, can we put anything else in? And uh, again, there's discussion. And he reaches over and takes a pitcher of water and he pours it in. And of course, eventually he'll hold him more water. And when he gets through, he asks the class, what's the point of what I just showed you? And, and somebody in the class said, well, you can always put something else in. And um, they laughed about that a little bit. And then Covey really got to the point of what he was trying to communicate. And it was this, that if you're going to get the big rocks in, you've got to put them in first. And he teaches then about the big rocks of life, family relationships, sharpening the saw of your own life, um, the, the things that, that are essential, the things that you feel God has put you here to do. I see a lot of people who go through life filling it with water and sand and little bits of gravel and they never leave room for the big rocks. They never leave room for the big things. Uh, some years ago I read Ken Blanchard's book titled Raving Fans. and Here's something he said in instructing the business world. He said, limit the number of areas where you want to make a difference. First, it allows you to be consistent and second, you'll be much further ahead doing a bang-up job on one thing. There's a number of times in the scripture where that the statement is this one thing I do, that, that focus, that, that passion. You cannot accent every syllable of life. Priorities. Priorities. What are your priorities? If you're going to be influential in creating an effective children's ministry, it's not something you just do on Sunday morning. You eat it, you breathe it. It's, it's, your, it's your priority. When you're, when you're reading, you're reading books about children's ministry. When, when you're attending a workshop, it's about how can we do children's ministry more effectively. It's the priority. It's, it's the focus. It's the main thing. So let me give you three questions that you can use to determine your own priorities. As a matter of fact, you can use them to determine what someone else's priorities are as well. The first is this. What do you have time for? The second is what do you spend your money on? And the third is what do you allow to interrupt you? Those three things will determine what your priorities are. Your time, your money, and what you allow to interrupt you. You can have a, a lot of priorities, but they can't all be the highest. You have to find out what's important to you. People of influence, hear me, people of influence choose the significant over the trivial. And there's an awful lot of stuff uh, where that we choose style over substance. But substance is going to win in the long term. Don't sacrifice. Don't sacrifice the best to have something that's good. I think it was Woodrow Wilson who talked about people being defeated by their secondary successes. You can preach a good message, but if a sinner goes home unconverted who might could have been won by a simpler preaching of the gospel, have you been effective? Have you accomplished the mandate and the mission of God? If, 
uh, I decided as a pastor that it wasn't as important that I preach eloquently or be an orator as it was that I be able to express the counsel and truth of God to those who were hearing me. Sometimes the two run parallel. Other times there are divergent paths that, that I cannot be impressive and at the same time show somebody else to Christ. I don't want to sacrifice the, the best in order to have simply the good. And, and the third thing is let's focus on the important rather than the urgent. Now sometimes the important and the urgent are the same thing, but, but quite often what is urgent won't matter a year from now. It will fade into insignificance. Settle it. Make up your mind. Here are my priorities. Here's what my work for God is about. Write them down. Write the vision. Make it plain. Let it become a declaration of distinction. If you are going to truly lead people, you have to decide what your priorities are. Uh, some mentors in my youth pastored a church 50 miles away. GA and Vesta Mangan, they built a tremendous church in the little city of Alexandria, Louisiana. There was never any question what GA and Vesta Mangan's priorities were. It was that local church. They didn't miss any weekends. If they went to conference, talking about general conference, one of them was always back for the Sunday service. It was their priority. It was what they were about. You also heard it every time they opened their mouth. They were talking about prayer, and they were talking about personal evangelism. Priorities, priorities, priorities. We've got to understand what the priorities are, and then we've got to live. What do you have time for? What are you spending your money on? And what are you willing to let interrupt you? Now, the last of the four P's in the pod for influence is this. People of influence have persistence. They are tenacious, they are determined, and they refuse to quit. Somebody said the postage stamp usefulness consists in its ability to stick with one thing till it gets where it's going. Too many of us are kind of like the pinball and we're just bouncing from one thing to the next. You've got to have a persistence. You've got to have a determination. David's birthplace in Bethlehem is only six miles away from the royal city of Jerusalem where he would eventually sit on the throne. But it took 20 years for him to make the six-mile trip to the throne. In those 20 years, there were Philistines to overcome. There were times when people thought him to be mad. There was King Saul who he fled from. There were moments of frustration, moments of disappointment, but in it all there was the persistence of a man who was an influential person. I'm not telling you about quick road. I'm talking about, I'm talking about establishing something in your heart. You see, Satan is against what you're wanting to do. This doesn't depend on you having a wishbone. It depends on you having a backbone, having a made-up mind. And I want to tell you right now that over the long term, luck doesn't come into play. I want to tell you now that family relationships and who you know and who you're able to comfortably pick up the phone and call and who you're able to have dinner with doesn't come into play. 
It's about you getting into yourself. I've decided that this is the will of God for my life. I've decided that this is what God wants me to do. I've decided that this is the place that I am to be impacting and to be effective. And then let nothing, nothing erode that. There's got to be that, that spirit of Nehemiah that says, I, I've got a great work to do and I can't come down. Those who are going to prevail will be people who will have persisted. As a leader, I tell you what you're going to get. You're going to get buffeted. You're going to get pummeled. You're going to be envied. You're going to be criticized. There will be abuse. There will be opposition. There will be attack. There will be misuse. There will be assault. But leaders keep on going. They are persistent. Now listen to me. Doesn't mean you're perfect. Doesn't mean that you're never going to make any mistakes. There are going to be times when you just have to pick yourself up and just keep on going. Say, well, I, I, I'm called of God. How could I have made such a mistake? Go back, read through this book and see Moses made his mistakes and David made his mistakes and James and John made their mistakes and Simon Peter, and you're no different. But it takes that persistence. Now, uh, I want this to be as practical as it can possibly be. There's some habits that you need in your life if you're going to be persistent. You have a passion. You have to have a passion for a, for a purpose. A purpose that is backed up by passion. Purpose and passion. Purpose and passion. The second is you have to have a plan of action that you carry out. Now sometimes we, we draft plans of action and we never get to the reality of carrying them out. You've got to have the plan and then you've got to do it. It's got to be ongoing action. The third is you have to close your mind against negative, cynical, and faithless expressions. And guess what? Many of those negative, faithless, and cynical expressions are going to come from people who are your friends, their family, their peers. You've got to close your mind. Say, I've, I, I'm focused here. This is what God wants me to do, and I'm going to be persistent with it. And then last, you, you need to align yourself with a person or persons who will encourage you both in your plan and your purpose. You need a cheerleader. You need somebody who believes in you, who believes in what God is wanting to do through and in your life. Now, as we come in for a landing with this lesson, let me, let me just try to focus you and, and get you thinking about some realities that maybe will benefit. The first is this. What is something in your church's vision that you feel passionate about? Something that you would be willing to suffer significant discomfort in order to accomplish it. Write it down on the back page of your handout or turn over to a legal pad. What is something in your church's vision that you are passionate about, that you're willing to suffer for? The second question that I, I think that is important to me is this. And I, I look at it from the perspective of a pastor, first of all. But then I want to look at it from the vantage point of a broader spectrum of leadership. What can a pastor do? What could we do, even, 
from the vantage point of World Evangelism Center, the General Home Missions Division of the United Pentecostal, what could we do to help you to be more effective in your local setting accomplishing this influencing effort that God has certainly called you to do? Both of those are, are very relevant to the times. We're living in an interesting time, and we cannot take our lessons from corporate America, because in the corporate world, there are four different strategies that leaders use to gain influence. The first is money, the second is political manipulation, the third is intimidation, and the fourth is respect. In God's world, in the church, only one of those is valid, and it's the issue of respect. So two questions. How does one gain respect? Second question is how does one lose the respect? And an observation could be inserted. It's much easier to lose it overnight than it is to gain it overnight. Let me give you three specific actions as a result of these two lessons that you can do to begin influencing others. The first is this. Immediately start reaching out to every new person you come in contact with. Learn about having conversations. Learn about connecting with them. And specifically when somebody comes to your church, and I say this not just to pastors but also to saints, when somebody comes to your church as a guest, make it your business to become a positive influence for God in their lives. You say, well, well I'm not a leader those people who are new to the church don't know who or what you are. So go and take advantage of the opportunity and learn from that chance to connect with them. The second thing that, that will help you in gaining influence is find some difficult things, some problems that need solving, and, and tackle those challenges. Fix them. Make it work. Make it go. Um, influential people are problem-solving people. Third thing is this. Hook up with an existing leader and ask them to mentor you. Uh, they may do it from afar. You, you may be like myself. I mentioned the Mangans earlier. Um, I, I didn't spend any time in their home. I wasn't a member of their church, but I watched them from afar, and I learned so much about priorities, and I learned so much about the passion of getting the work of God done. I learned so much about being consistent. And you can apply the same principle and watch people from a distance and learn from them. Ask them good questions. Connect with them. I'm excited about what God is doing. Use the lesson material any way that you would like. I want you to know that I believe in you. I believe in our home missionaries. I believe in what God is doing in North America. Look forward to being with you again next week and remind you today that the greatest things happening in North America are happening in home missions.